theyeshiva.net. Okay, we'll start a new Maimah today. The Megillus Esther. Page 195. Tzadik Ches, column 1. This is a Maimah from the Balatanya that was said, Purim Tovkuf Ayan Aleph. That would be 1811. The second to the last Purim of his life, passed away Tovkufayan Gimel, Chavdala Tevis. So Purim Tovkufayan Aleph was a little less than two years before that. And it begins with the words of the famous, the famous words of the Gemara, Mesechta Megillah, Dav Zayin. The Gemara says, Amar Rava, Chayev Inish Lebesumah Bapuria Adelayada Benarar Hamal Nabarach Bardachai. Person is obligated, as Rashi says, Lebesumah Biyayin to become intoxicated or inebriated on Purim until he doesn't know the difference between cursed as Haman and blessed as Mardachai. The Tzadach Lahavin Mipnei Masimchas Purim Gedei Lahar Bimisimchas Yamtiv. Why is the Simcha of Purim greater? Even greater, more than Simchas Yamtiv, than the mitzvah of joy on Yamtiv. The Chayavim Buhu The question is by Yamim Toivim, there's a Chiyav of Simcha Benatayra. It's actually a biblical obligation of Simcha. And yet, nowhere does it say that somebody should have such an experience of intoxication. And as the Rambam says it clearly by Simchas Yomtev, that a person should not get drawn into a drinking fest on Yomtev. In other words, not only is there no chiyuv to be intoxicated on Yomtev, on the contrary, even though it's a simcha, the Torah says to be happy, is a biblical commandment on Yom Tif, Pesach, Shavuot, still it's not like Purim, and not only that, on the contrary, the Rambam says clearly, person has to be careful not to get drawn in into, uh, into too much drinking. And he says, and he explains, You'll say, well, these Yamim Taivma may be just, you know, celebrations. He says, what happened? Miracles happened to our forefathers. Come over Pesach, on Pesach. And in Pesach itself, you have not just Yitzhiz Mitzvah, but Kriyas Yamsov, splitting of the sea. It's a pretty impressive event. Yeah. You have Shavuos, Matan Torah. Matan Torah was a, a pretty loaded event. And Chuli. Chuli, obviously, is referring to Sukkot, Dananiya Kavit, 40 years in the desert, in the clouds, clouds of glory. So it's not like Purim, you'll say, it's a gewaldic thing happened, the Jewish people were saved. And the other Yom Tovim are smaller celebrations. On the contrary, the other Yom Tovim had Nisim that were Lamailam and Ateva beyond nature in a very, in a very clear way, like Yitzhak Mitzrayim and Kriyas Yamsov, or what happened by Matan Torah at Har Sinai. And of course, when he's saying this, Nisim, that by, by the other Nisim Lavisein or Kriyas Yamsov, it's intensifying the question, because by Purim, you didn't have a Kriyas Yamsuf. By Purim, the miracle was manifested in nature. In other words, if you would report on the story of Purim, 
from a uh, put it from a secular perspective, what happened? If you could strip everything, right, and you look at the story, what happened? Happened was luck had it that the first lady was Jewish, right, literally, and Klugefrei, uh, and she knew her husband's weak spot. It's called addiction. He was not an AA. He was not Alcoholic Anonymous. And uh, that was it. She got him drunk a few times. Inviting a guy in. I mean, that's the story. That's that's really what happened. That's the story. That's the Megillah story. Hashem's name is not mentioned in the Megillah once for a reason. Yeah, like it says in Svarim, because it's concealed. So, by there was no Kriya Samsa by Purim. There was no Yitzhiya Mitzrayim by Purim. There was no Matan Torah V'chalam Rayim Esakailas by Purim, even though obviously it was a great moment. Nonetheless, the Rambam tells us in Hilchis Yamtiv and Pedic Vav, by Yamtiv lo yimashach bayayin. Happy, yeah, but don't get drawn into the wine. And Dafka Purim is chayev inish lopsum bepuri adaloyat. And this itself also doesn't say in the Megillah. The Megillah says, Yemei mishta v'simcha, days of feasting and joy. Rav in Gemara is the one who says, in Torah Shabal Peh, a person is obligated to experience this tremendous joy on Purim. Huh? Well, the source for Rav is, the Pasuk says, So the Mishta is associated with Simcha's Purim. What do you think it has to do with? Depression? Oh? What? Maybe they're drinking for some and then they're getting drunk for... So he says, Chayiv but Pashtos, it's part of the Mishnah and Simcha of Purim. The Mitzvah of Simcha is Purim, huh? Is he using to get drunk or is he drinking What? If they're using this, oh yeah, they use this very well. You'll finish the Maime, you'll see it, you have to use it a little differently, but uh, they use it very well, yeah. No, the Pasuk says, Yimei mishta chazal, the Nevi'im made a takana, that it should be every year celebrated as a day of feasting and joy. That's not his shaila. Chanukah was also a big miracle. There's no chayiv in Ishlub Summer Bechanukah. Chanukah is Bechal no chayiv Mishta. Huh? But Purim is where we specifically, the Pasuk uses the word Mishta as opposed to an Aliyam Tedim. It doesn't use that word. Okay. So he's saying because the Megillah uses the word Mishta, feasting, which you don't have by Yom Tev, clearly, just says with Samachta Bechagecha. Right? Ain't Simchala Bebasar, Ain't Simchal Biyayin. He's saying in Chumr, doesn't say the word Mishta. Okay. Interesting order. Doesn't Mishta mean to drink? Oh, you mean Shasai. Yeah, that's true. Mishta means a time to... You, 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 the etymology of the word Mishta, you're saying, is 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 is, is, is Shasai. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Pesach Shavu Sukkot. That's his question. Purim is a rabbinic holiday. In other words, it doesn't have the power of Yom Tov. Yom Tov is a mitzvah in It's from God himself. Huh? In this man of the Beis Hamikdash. Yeah, but the mitzvah simch is always, even when there's no Beis Hamikdash. 
The mitzvah simcha and yom tov is always, it's, it's a timeless mitzvah. Furthermore, the question is furthermore, ubemayla, even if you look in terms of quality, the question is even more than this in quality. Yamim Tovim are actually more holy, more sacred. Vaharaya. They're forbidden. Basiyas Malach. As the Pasik says in Parshas Boy on Yamtif, you're not allowed to do Parshas Boy and Emmer, etc. You're not allowed to do Malach on Yamtif. Purim doesn't have that quality of Kedusha. In fact, the Gemara says, it's a fascinating Gemara, that Mardachai tried. <laughs> and the Jews didn't accept it. The Gemara says in Megillah, we learned it a few days ago, Tafheya Medbez, is when Mordechai made Purim, he had one plan. And the Jews diverted the plan. The Gemara says, an interesting thing. In the Megillah, in the beginning it says, in Megillah Pedic Tess, it says that uh, after the after the Ness, yeah, the Yehudim HaPrazim, the Jews in the open cities, they made the 14th day of Chodesh Adar, Simcha, a day of joy, feasting, yomtif, and a day of shalach manas. Later it says, three psukim later, that Mordechai sent letters to everybody to do Purim. Lasses oisam, yimei mishta v'simcha, mishloyach manas ishlerei matanas lovyoinam. As the Gemara, yomtif fell out. <laughs> what happened? First it was supposed to be a yamtif. Originally it was seen as yamtif, and then yamtif fell out. It's a very strange thing. So the Gemara says, what happened? So he says, he says, that was Mardachai's plan. Mardachai's plan was, he wanted it should be a yamtif. What says the yamtif? It should be Asim and Malacha. <laughs> what happened? Malacha like Kabilo Alayu. The Jews decided not to accept it. So a male Yamtif was deleted. It's not a day that's Asabah Malacha. And the Gemara over there discusses it, that Purim is not a day that's Asabah Malacha. There are places where they were noyig not to do Malacha. And it's brought in Shulchan Aruch that in a place where they're noyig not to do Malacha, one should never do Malacha because it's not going to be a Simen Bracha. But to say that it's forbidden to do Malacha on Purim, it's not forbidden. And even places where they don't do Malacha, Malacha is for Purim. For example, driving around all day to deliver shalachmanas, right? It's not forbidden. I put them lekulal, all or cooking or baking and so forth. So even yomtiv you're allowed to cook and bake. But bechlal malacha putim is completely mutter in terms of, especially if it's for putim and it's for simchas putim. It's not an issue bechlal. So the Balatanya says. So that means even in kedusha, putim never became that day of complete yomtiv. That sense of a holiday like Pesach or Shavuos, where you don't do malacha, where you abstain from the mundane. Nonetheless, Tafke Purim received this mitzvah of Chayav Inish Lipsum. Yuvan, Behekdim, and Mashaykim Purim, the Mardachai Gazav, which of course brings up, of course, a much bigger question that will be addressed later. 
what exactly happened here. Mordechai had one Purim, one vision. The Jews had a different vision. There was an argument. Why doesn't explain why there was an argument? Another interesting thing is, the first time, says Mishloyach Manas, when Yom Tov is deleted, suddenly there's Matanas Lavyayna. In the pre, in the Yom Tif, in the original Purim of Yom Tif, doesn't say Matanas Lavyayna. In the second Purim, without Yom Tif, suddenly there's a Numitz for Matanas Lavyayna. I thought Rabbi Yonis and Ipschitz writes, in Yaris Dvash, I think, he says that it, it says about Yom Tif, the Rambam says in Hilchis Yom Tif, from the Pasuk, it says you should rejoice with you and your wife and your son and your daughter and your servant and your maid and the widow and the orphan and the poor person and the convert, the foreigner. Yeah. That's part of the Mitzvah of So the Rambam writes in Hilchis Yom Tif, the same Rambam, that somebody who on Yom Tif only eats themselves and their family and they don't feed anybody else, so ain't a simchas yomtif, el a simchas kresay. It's not a simcha of yomtif, it's a simcha of your stomach. And part of simchas yomtif is to share the simcha with people who are, who are, who are more needy. So he says, so it's very gishmak. Initially, Mardachai wanted Purim should be a yomtif, so he didn't have to make a mitzvah of matanas lav because part of the mitzvah of yomtif is you give to the poor. That's part of the mitzvah of yomtif. But once they didn't accept, Put him as a Yom Tif anymore. It's not a day that's Asib Malacha. So now we put in, oh, so now there's a special mitzvah, Matanas Lavyan. So actually, so that's why in the second put him, there's a new mitzvah besides Mashlaich Manas, it also adds Matanas Lavyan. So it's very bidiyuk in the Megillah. No, that's for Samachta Bechagecha, you and your family. But then there's the Simcha. So I know there's an Indian of Achnasas Archim and all that. Peresh Chagechem. V'yuvin b'hakdim, so will be understood, b'hakdim inyin v'kibbul ha-yehudim es-hashrei There's another Pasuk in the Megillah, v'kibbul ha-yehudim, at the end of Megillah says the Pedic test, it says the Jewish people accepted what they began. So the Gemara says, what's pshat, v'kibbul ha-yehudim, in the first Pedic of Megillah, what's pshat? So he says, v'kibbul ha-yehudim es-hashrei They, the Jews accepted what they began. What's pshat? They started to do something. When? By matan teira. And now, they accepted what they began. Like the Gemara says, Al-Pasik, Kimu, Vikibel, Hayyuhudim. Or the Ksiv is actually the Kri, actually Vikibel, Hayyuhudim. Kimu v'kibla Yehudim, also Megillah says the Pedic test, Kimu ma'ashe kiblu kvar. Gemara says in Mesech the Shabbos, and Mesech the Megillah, they affirmed what they already accepted. So you have two psukim. One is v'kibla Yehudim, m'sashe chelu lasis, in Megillah says the Pedic test. A few psukim later, Kimu v'kibla Yehudim. Both mean the same thing. They accepted what they began by Matan Torah, and they affirmed what they accepted in the past. Why? So the Gemara says, Kibashas, Matan Tayra, Kafalem, Harke Gigis, Umikan, Maydar, Abaloy, Raisa, Eladahadir, Kibluah, Bemechashverish. The Gemara says in Mesech the Shabbos Peches, it says they stood under the mountain, below the mountain, that Hashem placed the mountain over their heads like a Gigis. A Gigis is an overturned vat. And he said, if you accept the Tayra, good, and if not, this mountain is going to come down like an elevator. Poitek Vurasm. So they accepted the Tayra. 
So the Gemara says, Mikan, and by the way, who says it? Rava. Amar Rava, just for reference, will be relevant. Amar Rava, there's a Shabbos Dav Peches. Mikan Moidor Rabba Loirais. From here, there's basically a reason to say, a Jew could say, I never accept the title was all forced. And when anybody puts a gun to somebody's head and says, accept this commitment on yourself, you're giving me a house, it's worthless legally. Why? Because it was done by coercion. It says, Mikan, from here, Moidor Rabba is a great reason to excuse yourself from Torah by saying it was coercion. No, so the Jews are off the hook. So he says, no, by Purim they ruined it. Because they accepted it willingly. How do they know? Because it says, Kimu v'kiblu ayud. And what's Kimu v'kiblu? Kimu mashakiblu kvar. What they once accepted by force, they now said, yeah, we like it. We like the idea. That's when the Gemara says, Mesech to Shabbos. Ah? No, put him, till put him not. Now, put him was around a thousand years after Matan Taira. So for a thousand years, it was considered forced. And then by put him, it was considered volitional, birotzen. Rashi says, simcha hava, avasa And as a result of that, the maidar rabba is gone. They can't say, oh, we never really wanted this. This is what Ravis says, the Taich and Kimu Vikiblu. That's what Ravis says. Yeah. This is how he's starting the explanation. And it happens to be in Megillah, it's Ravis who says, Chayavinich Lopsumabapuri. But Tzarek Lohavin, Mipneiman Nechshav Mashakaf Aleim Harkegigis, Yoisir Oynes, Mamasadach Hashvedish. What is the idea that the Kaf Aleim Harkegigis is considered more Oynes, more forced than what happened by Hashvedish? Meaning, by Hashvedish's time, Haman wanted to exterminate every single Jew. So the Jewish people were petrified and frightened and they had nobody to turn to but God. That's pretty uh, <laughs> That's pretty uh, compelling if you talk about force. Nonetheless, you could say there was tremendous pacha, tremendous fear as Jews. And, and Mardachai said, return to God. Do they have a choice? They wanted their children to live. They wanted to, they wanted to live. <clears throat> Gigis is a barrel. Why the word gigis? Because, excellent question. Because a gigis is used for mashka, for wine. <laughs> yeah, right. So that was by Matan Torah, was overturned. The wine spilled out. And then by Purim, you hold up the gigis. You don't like my Purim Torah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> How do you know that it's not real because you like it, huh? It doesn't resonate. Okay. Now, if you understand that the Xeda of Haman came El Milo from heaven, the Haman wasn't trying to have them do tshuva, Haman was trying to kill them. But if one understands the Xayra of Haman came al because of their Maisim, so when they did, and they did Shuva and the Xayra was bottled, so the question is, it's also such tickle mountain over their head, maybe even stronger or equal. <laughs> so of course, in order to understand any of this, you have to first understand what is Matan Taira. If Purim 
is the continuation or the completion of Matan Torah. So what is Matan Torah? You can't understand Purim if you don't understand the beginning of Purim, because Purim is only a continuation. The Gemara says in Masechta Psachim Dafnun, fortunate is the person who comes here, his Talmud, his learning is in his hand. What's the question? Misha Balakan is somebody who came here to Ganeid. In Ganeidin, they delight, they experience the Tainug, the delight from the revelation of the light of the Ainsaif, blessed be he. The light of infinity. That is Ganeidin. Gemara says, Nenim Meziv Hashchina. Right? Sadikim Yoishvim, Gemara in Brochus Yudzayan, Sadikim Yoishvim, Atreseim Bereseim, Gedengst, Skeleta Partekturik. Brochus, Venenim Meziv Hashchina, they enjoy the radiance of the Shchina. That's the Loshan in Gemara. In Kabbalah, when your same Lashon is written in Kabbalah or Chsidis, the Lashon is going to be Gilui Eir Ein Saif Baruch In Gemara, you won't have an expression Gilui Eir Ein Saif Baruch you have an expression Nenim Ezivat Shechina. In Sifrei Kabbalah or Chsidis, you'll have the expression Gilui Eir Ein Saif Baruch Just, it's good to know these references, how the Gemara describes something, how Kabbalah describes something. What's Gilui Eir Ein Saif Baruch The revelation of the light of the infinite one. That's what Gan Eden is. Yet the Gemara says, not enough. You have to come with Talmudai Biyadai. You gotta come with your learning. What's the learning? What's the learning that we do in this world? The learning that we do in this world, as he says, is Halachis Shenislapshu Binyanim Gashman. It's the learning, Halachis, that's manifested and expressed through material items that we're learning. Because the Talmud of a Jew in this world is not, is not the experience of Ain't Saif Baruch. It's usually not the secrets of Torah and the awareness of godliness. It's the halachas of Torah, whether it's halachas of ribis, of interest, or the halachas of building a native, or the halachas of a, 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 a cow, my cow, my ox, goring your ox, or the halachas of civil disputes, or whatever the halachas are, from Mesech Tebrachas till Mesech But it's halachas that all, every single one of them, from beginning to end, whether it's agriculture, whether it's giving a coin, <coughs> whether it's bringing a carbon, whether it's cleaning a body or a vessel, has to do with physical items and matter of this world. There's no halacha that's excluded from that. Either it's relating to your body or relating to the world around you, etc. Nonetheless, the Gemara says, asks the Balatanya, how does the Talmud help to the experience in Gan Eden, which is Nenin Meziv Ashchina. How does it help? How does the Talmud Be'yadeh, the halachas that are relating to the Gashmias, contribute to that? Another thing that has to be understood is what the Gemara says in Masech Sanhedrin Tzadik Tess. Where does it come into Gan Eden? What, what does it do in Gan Eden? <laughs> Over there, there's the Gilead and Saif Baruch What does the halacha, the knowledge, and the background of the knowledge, the pilpul that got, it's not only the halacha b'poyel in the Shulchan Aruch, it's the background of it. The Gemara, the Mishnah, all the background, the Rishonim, the pilpulim, which all brings to what? Knowledge. Okay, so this is what has to be done in this and this situation. Right? Whatever, whether it's abstract situation or what... As he puts it, 
What, what, what does that do in Ganadin? What does that create in Ganadin? That you say, Ashrei Misha Bole Kamet Almudah Biyadah. Gamma Shamri Razal. How does that prepare for the experience? How does it prepare you? The Gamma Shamri that and without it, the experience is missing. Another Nikud is the Gemara says in Sanhedrin, Kombi Shavshul Elasik Batayra Vene Yosek, Alov Nema Kedvar Hashem Baza, Hikores, Tikores, Hanefesh. It's from a Pasuk and Shlach. It's a very uh, sharp Gemara. That if somebody has the ability to learn Torah and they don't, on this person it says, he disgraced the word of God. He caressed the caress on Nefesh. The soul is cut off. Why? Because Misha Efshel Lelasik Betoidav Eine Yosek. Frek de Balatanya Vizeta Muala Chayra. Chayra, this is strange. Why? Very interesting question. The Gemara says, it says, The Pasuk says in Yeshua, should learn Torah by day and by night. So the Gemara, Meseches Menachas, Dav Tzadik says, this depends on every person individually, their circumstances. There's a person, yeah, who may have a hard time learning or may be very busy with making a livelihood for the family. He also has to learn, but he's Yotza, Perik Echad Shachas, Perik Echad Chapter of Kriyashma in the morning, chapter of Kriyashma at night, or chapter of Torah, and he's Yotza Talmud Torah. A few minutes in the morning, a few minutes at night, Perik Echad. And he fulfilled the whole mitzvah. Why? Because every, he has to look at his life circumstances. Yeah. What, what he's capable of, what he's shayach. According to Derech Hateva, he has to obviously eat and drink and sleep and support his family. So he's Yoytze Perek Then there's the Jew who has more time, more ability, whatever, whatever, whatever the circumstances are, has to learn more. So he says, you have a fascinating thing. Somebody who can't learn Torah the whole day, he fulfills his obligation with Perek Echad Shachas, Perek Echad how could you then say that somebody who could learn more and he doesn't, it's so serious. He says, to say he cut us to cut us. It's such a serious thing that it should create such a powerful penalty of curse. In other words, all other curses are something that's for everybody. Yeah. Person uh, has relations with his sister. There's a chi of curse. With a is a chi of curse. Eating chametz on Pesach. Eating on Yom Kippur, eating blood. Here, it's an interesting thing. It's completely subjective. For one person, the fact that he's not learning now, for hours and hours, you're fine. The other person who has the ability to learn, and he doesn't, what is it? It's not just, he's wasting his time, he should be doing something better. It's Dvar Hashem Boza. He embarrassed the word of God, he cut his but it's completely subjective. You don't have that in any other Issacharis in the whole Torah. It's a very interesting question. Verstehst du, Shaila? I understand something, God says this is very bad, but for you, it's fine. Lebzachapatag, <laughs> go to work. <laughs> you gotta be with your kids now, you gotta be with your wife now, you have a job, you gotta show up in the office. I understand. The other person, because he could learn now, so it's not just, he has to learn. You, you have to, you, you could learn, you have to learn. No, 
it's on the extreme of if he doesn't, it's Dvar Hashem Boza, he cutters to cutters, his soul gets cut off. He says, what's the Havana for the other Jew? There's no cutters whatsoever. He's doing the right thing. He's not supposed to learn now, or at least he doesn't have to learn now. Ah, but that's not the Vart. It's not what, it's not what the Gemara is saying, because he's bored. He's, uh, there's other things to do, if not... Uh, Huh? That's he's not. He's asking that it's the seriousness of it, and it's all subjective. It's completely subjective. One person. It's as they would say, relative. The theory of relativity. It's all relative. The chorus is completely relative. You don't have such a thing in Torah. It's a very, very interesting phenomenon. If somebody doesn't do a mitzvah behidur. They do the mitzvah, but not behidur. They don't do it in the most beautiful way. They just do the basic, basic obligation. You're not going to say their soul gets cut off. Why? Because they didn't do the mitzvah behidur. They didn't do it with the full beauty. Yeah, what's missing is hidur mitzvah. Could have been better. Fine. They showed up, they did the mitzvah. There's one exception, Talmud Torah. The etzim chiv of Talmud Torah is not all day. Vaharaya, you could you could fulfill the mitzvah in the morning and at night. It's better if you could do it all day. So if he doesn't do the hidur, he doesn't do it all day. What happens? It's like whoa, you embarrassed God. He cut us to cut us. That's Talmud Rebbe's question. So he went from the question of Purim, why chayavinish lepsumer bepuria. Versus all the other Yamim Taivim, with the Osanism, and not only that it was Lamailam and Ateva, and not only that they're Asr Bimalacha. To the concept of Kimu Vikiblu and Kiblu Sashaykhilu Lasas Hamshak Matan Taira. Understand what's Matan Taira. Understand what's Ashri Misha Balakan with Talmudai Biyade. How does Talmudai Biyade halachas that deal with physical matter add and contribute and are essential to the experience of Ain Saif and Ganaid? How is that the preparation for Ganeid? And finally, this last question of the relativity of the Chiv of Talmud Torah and yet the severe stringency in the person who doesn't observe the Hidr of it, L'chayra. This concludes the questions of this Maimer. Now the Balatanya starts the explanation. We'll continue Bezer Hashem tomorrow. Tomorrow there'll be a sheer regular time. Sanhedrin of Tzadik Tess. Tzadik Tess Ahmed Beis. And the other Gemara that you could be Yoytze Perik Echad Shachas Perik Echad Arvaz is also Tzadik Tess. Menachas. Two Tzadik Tesses. Sanhedrin Menachas. Sanhedrin says, Kidvar Hashem Boza Hikaris Tikaris. Kol Mishav Shalalasik Batayla. He quotes it also in Tanya Perik Aleph, by the way. <laughs> and then the other Gemara is Menachas of Tzadik Tess. Du bist, du bist gefahren zwei Schahend lernen. The ganze zwei Schahs, ich lerne. So, as a, Barber Rav de Chad Yoyme. The way is the Gemeisen Gemara. Ah, the Moses Segwen Ayid, yeah. He would travel three once from his house to the Beis Medrash. He would learn for one day and he would go back three months. They called him Barber Rav de Chad Yoyme. And Rabbi Yochanan said, it's like he learned Torah for six months. They called him Bar Beirav Dechad Yaima, a Talmud of Yeshiva of one day. Why did he learn for six months? Because the three months and the three months, it was all for the one day. 
So do a Shanhain Gelen and Tachvez Vilang. Moshe, how long do you drive to come here? Two minutes. Today you weren't late. And today, and he, and he drives uh, two hours, hour and a half. Welcome back. Okay. 195, column 2, four lines from the top. So after all the questions, in the beginning of this Maimer, Chayev Inish, Rabbisum of Apuria, Ada Loyada Benorer Hamon, Labarach Mardachai. Question number one, very briefly, why is the Simcha of Purim greater than the Simcha, the joy of all the other Yamim Taivim, despite what would seem like to be, if anything, on the contrary, the Mayadim should have a greater Simcha? This was in Teva, they were beyond Teva, this is Medeiraisa, this is Medeirabonon, here there's a Isra Malacha, here there's no Isra Malacha. And yet, okay, but this obligation, if Toyota says it's an obligation, it means because the day calls for it. It's not an artificial, uh, it's not an artificial imposition. It's because the day calls for it. And Manyamtiv, the Ramam says, Dafke not, not to be drawn. And in fact, it says that Bezdin, it says in Hal, it's brought in Halacha, in, in Rambam and in Shulchan Aruch, the Chazal say Bezdin used to send out people on Yamtif to, uh, to, uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, they would send out Yamtif. There should be, uh, boundaries. <laughs> and So he started off the introduction that Purim was the, the, the end the end of Matan Torah. It's the completion of Kabbalah Satayra. By Matan Torah, it says, Kafalayim Har, right? He, he plays the mountain over them. And Purim, they accepted it. They accepted the Torah willingly, as the Megillah says, Kimu Vikiblu. Kimu Mashikiblu Kvar, or Vikibla Yehudim, it says, Shachelulasis. Tupsukib in the Megillah. And he asks, Lechaida, the Gzeira of Haman was also an Ainas. It was also a Kfiya. It was also, it compelled them to Tshuva. So he says, for this you have to, you have to understand Matan Taira. And he brought two Maimari Chazal about Taira that both require explanation. One is from Masech Psachim, one is from Masech Sanhedrin. The Gemara says in Psachim, Ashri Misha Balakan Vitalmudeh Biyadeh. Fortunate is somebody who comes here. Here means the Ganeden, the paradise, and the Talmud in his, is in his hand. And he asks, if Ganeden is really Hanah from Ziv Hashchina, enjoyment, radiating, basking in the radiance and the, and their light of Ein Soif, of, of the Shechina. What does, what is added by that? Why is that dependent on the learning of Torah the way we learn it here, where we're learning about halachas dealing with all types of material matters, Zroyim, Moyed, Nashim, Nizik, and Kachim, Taras. How does that prepare one for the experience of Ein Soif in Gan Eden? The question itself is an important question. Right? Huh. This is a question Alter Rebbe here asks it in his language. 
But essentially, you'll hear this question from uh, dozens or hundreds and hundreds. And I have heard it from quite a few young men, sometimes young women, especially teenagers. Why am I learning Gemara? What, what is this? Uh, what is this adding to my life? What do I need it for? What's the point of it? Some of you have heard this question from some of your very close kin. The way the Alter Rebbe asks the question is, <laughs> what's Pshat Ashe Misha Balakan Vitalmudai Biyadai? What's Lakan here? You're experiencing Ain Saif Baruchu. What, what does the Talmudai Biyadai, why is that the preliminary or the, the invitation or the introduction or the foundation that allows you to be able to experience the Ain Saif? What's, what's the connection? In very, in very, in very simple English, it would mean, what does this do for my life? What does this really do for my life? How does it connect me to infinity? And then teenagers don't always know how to articulate themselves as well as the Balatanya. But uh, what does this have to do with infinity? Show me what it has to do with infinity. I'm just saying when you read these questions, yeah, it's important to see the neshama of the question. That's a technical question. Uh, what does a halacha, <coughs> two people fighting over a cloak, Right? Or two people fighting over, uh, a property, or two people fighting over, uh, <coughs> the roof fell down and who has to rebuild it, which is a huge suga, uh, you know, the roof fell down. We're living in, we're living in a condominium. You live on the second floor, I live on the first floor, and the roof caved in, or the floor in between caved in, or there was a hurricane, a sandy came and destroyed the house, and who has to repay, and what if you don't want to? <coughs> Important stuff for, for civil law. Yeah. How, how does this, become a prelude for infinity. And it's probably one of the deepest questions about Judaism today. There was a whole generation of Jews in America and other parts of the world that were lost to Judaism. I'm not talking about people who grew up in uh, in Muncie or Lakewood or Crown Heights or Bar Park. That's a whole separate subject. I'm talking about, you know, a lot, a lot of kids, right? Some of America's great artists who as kids may, may, may have had religious grandparents or they may have had Hebrew school. But... The last thing they would associate with infinity or enlightenment or expansive consciousness is Judaism, right? The last thing. I mean, you could speak to them. <laughs> like they wouldn't even have a thought about it. Judaism, they may like it. They may not like it. They may be angry. They may not be angry. Gefilte fish may speak to them, may not speak to them. But if anything, Judaism represented the antithesis of, uh, of expansive consciousness. It represented tribalism, uh, narrowness, uh, small-mindedness, uh, tribalism, uh, dogma, and, and restrictiveness. Some people sitting in this room know about your own experience in your youth, especially when they learn Gemara, right? So there's people that their minds are made for Gemara. It's like they become alive. But essentially, one of them look at it, right? And uh, it's like, what, 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 really, you want me to sit with this? Some hours a day. So the Alter Rebbe asks it all in one line. What does the Gemara mean? Ashrei Misha Balakan the Talmudai Biyadeh. I know my introductions could never be uh, 20 seconds. <laughs> no, but as I was saying the question, I realized, I didn't realize this, I didn't realize this the first time when I was reading it. When I was saying the question now, I realized how relevant the question is. You understand? Yeah, he asks it in his language. Ganadinus ain't soif. What does it have to do with halachas gashmas? The question is really the question of a generation, or at least many of the generation. 
And finally, the last question was, the Gemara tells us that if somebody has a chance to learn or opportunity to learn and he doesn't, very, very strong words about this person. From Parsha Shlach, Kedvar Hashem Baza, he karis to karis, and he says there's something strange about this because it seems like a hidder mitzvah because somebody who cannot, doesn't have a chance to learn all day fulfills the mitzvah of Talmud Torah with one chapter in the morning and one chapter in the evening, which could be a few moments. He says even with Kriyashma, even with Kriyashma in the morning and Kriyashma in the evening, the first part of Kriyashma is a chapter in Torah, Yoyetzi Talmud Torah. Of course, a person who could and could understand more should learn more. But not everybody could learn Torah a whole day. And that person is Yoytzeh the Mitzvah, even one peyrek of Torah in the morning, one chapter, one chapter in the evening. And one chapter doesn't mean a whole peyrek of, 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 of Chumash, which could be a long peyrek. It could be 60 psukim, 40 psukim. One chapter means one section of Torah, like Kriyashma. Huh? For sure. And then, and then somebody, and, but, so, but somebody who can becomes high of Kares on one moment that he doesn't. It's, you don't have such a serious penalty that becomes so relative. Usually when something is such a serious penalty, it's not relative. It's, it's like, it's an absolute because it's such a serious thing. You don't say that murder for somebody who's in this state, so murder, okay, is, uh, it's alright, we'll, 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 it's fine, we'll, we'll let you go and then somebody else. Yeah, obviously there's a difference between Shoigig and Mezid and between if you had Kavani, you didn't have Kavani, obviously. But <laughs> if, if, if the situation is one that, uh, that is, is such a serious penalty, it becomes strange that it's so relative. Because it seems like on one level it's a Hidur. Because it's not for every single Jew. For Haraya, many people could get away with much less. Alpitaira. Nonetheless, the Gemara is so sharp about it. So to understand all of this, to understand all of this, well, Tanya begins a long explanation, which starts with Acha uh, Inyan. Four, lo- one, two, three, four, four lines from the top. Acha Inyan. And the truth is that here we're introduced into a extremely fundamental idea in in Yiddishkeit Bechlal and in Torah specifically. And it's really a paradigm. It's a um, it's a foundation to understand a lot. Not only what he's explaining in this Maimer, which is a plenty, but also generally an understanding of of Torah and Yiddishkeit, as as we will see. So he says, Achainyan. The explanation in all of this is Kihine Hatayda Nikras Moshel Hakadmoini. The Torah has a very interesting name. It's called Meshal or Mashal Hakadmaini, Kamashikasov. As the Pasik says, where do we have this? The Pasik says in Shmuel Aleph, Samuel 1, chapter Chavdalet, Pedic Chavdalet, Pasik Yudalet. The Navi says, as the Mashal HaKadmoini says, Mashal is the metaphor, parable. Kadmoini literally means the original parable or the primordial parable. The Mashal from way back. Kadmoini means like the first Mashal. Interesting expression. So like the Mashal HaKadmoini says, Meirishayim Yetzei Resha. From the wicked comes out wickedness. 
And the Chazal take this Pasuk, which the Mashlach Admaini says, and they explain they explain that this is the meaning of the words in Parshas Mishpatim we learned last week. What does this mean? Uh, so Rashi in Parshas Mishpatim last week says, it says that if somebody killed somebody by mistake, which means God made it happen by a coincidence, by chance. So Rashi says, this, what does this mean? So it says like this. So Gemara Masechta Makis and Rashi says this in, in, in Shmuel and in Mishpatim, Bekitzer. Mashal HaKadmaini is called Torah. Why is it called Mashal HaKadmaini? So Chazal say, because it's Mashal HaKadosh Baruch It's considered God's parable, God's metaphor. And Hashem is called the Kadmain, meaning He's the source, the beginning, the genesis of all beginnings. It's the source of everything. So he's called the Kadman. So Torah is called the Mashal of the Kadmaini, the Mashal of God. It's God's parables, God's metaphors. And therefore, he says, What's Merishayim Yetzirah? So Rashi says the famous story, there's two people. One of them killed by mistake, one of them killed willingly. Nobody, there was no consequences because nobody saw so what happens? They come together in the forest and uh, he's on a tree, right? And he's knocking wood and uh, and the log falls on the, on the other person and the one who killed willingly but ran away from uh, from responsibility is killed and the one who killed unwillingly because he was knocking down a tree and he felled a branch or the hammer and fell on the person and people see and he has to go into exile because he killed Bishagi. Bishagi means inadvertently but not completely he was completely irresponsible, meaning he was, he wasn't an oinus. Then there's no galos. A shaygik means, you know, you have to be a little more careful. I mean, he wasn't trying to kill anybody, but he was far too, uh, somewhat negligent. That's, that's, that's the definition. What do we see from here? That the way that the Tanakh and the Chazal describe Torah is, at least in some places, mashal hakadmainim. It's a mashal. It's a mashal. In Mishle, he opens up Mishle, chapter 1, verse 6, to understand, Mashal is again a metaphor, a parable, allegory, Melitza as well, Mashal Melitza, different words represent allegories, Mishalim. And this is how he starts off Mishle, Lahavin Mashal Melitza. Why would Torah be called a mashal? Mashalim are usually riddles, uh, mind games, stories, parables, metaphor. You know what a mashal is? Yeah, mashal is, it's like, a, like, there's different types, but generally it's understood like a chida, chida is a riddle, like, like Samson's riddles that he did with the Philistines, I understand. Once in a while, Torah gives a psah, ah, 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 ah. A marshal, but to say the whole Torah is a psmashalim, it's, it's a strange thing. All of Torah is a marshal. Where's Torah marshal? Somebody is giving a presentation and in the middle they give a long story, which is a parable or a metaphor or an allegory. Yeah. 
So that's a marshal. How often do you have that? Once in a while in Medrash, the Medrash will say, Marshal the I'm going to give you a marshal. But to call the whole Torah Mashallah Kadmaini, so it's in the, most of Torah is not comprised of Mashallah. You have Mashallah and Torah, you have parables. It's this the name, Mashallah Kadmaini, that really captures Torah more than anything else. Why? The word here is Kadmoini. The word Kadmoini says represents Kadmoini Shalolam. Kadmoini Shalolam means he's before. means before. It's before everything. It's the source of everything. There was no time when he was non-existent because Ein Leit Chile he has no beginning. That's Kadmoini Shalolam. As you'll go back, 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 there was never a time that he didn't exist. In fact, he created time. So Kadmoinu Shaloyla means that which was before anything, including before there was a concept of before. Because the concept of before is a concept of time, before and after. But that's what the word Kadmin, like from the word Kaidem, you say Kaidem, right? It happened. Kaidem means earlier, and yet earlier, and yet earlier, earlier. The Kadmin, it's the earliest phenomenon in the universe, even earlier than the word earlier, because earlier already represents time. And the reason is because Hashem is reality. It's the essence of reality. It's a necessary, the Rambam calls it, has an expression, of Hamatzias. Everything else is a possible reality. God is a necessary reality, meaning it's intrinsic to reality. It's a reality that doesn't have to be created. It's a reality that is essential. So therefore it's Kadmoin. It's reality precedes everything else. This is what Kadmoin Shalayla means. Deeper yet, he explains, who Eurein Seif Baruch when we speak about godliness itself, what are we speaking about? We're speaking about the Kadmoiner Shalalam, meaning Eirein Saif itself, the light of the infinite one himself. You have godliness, like we learned many times, Shema Vayad Lasata. You have godliness, the way it trickles down, the way it's manifested, the way it's filtered, the way it's compressed and con- con- contracted and restricted. But here he says it's Eirein Saif Baruchu Atzma. And he explains, Kipchin is soiv of kalalman, um, amali kalalman, zehu mashen nimshech mimenu yizbarecha adam, liyoiz chayiz, loha oilamas. Vim kain, pchinezu, he shayich loilamas. You may talk about, not kadmoinu shaloilam, not kadmoini, but, if you talk about soiv of kalalman, um, amali kalalman, yeah. In Zohar, we have these two expressions that we learned about in many Maimarim, that Hashem is Seiv of Kalam and Amamala Kalam, which represent two types of divine energy that are communicated to the worlds. Mamali Kalam is the energy that fills the worlds, just like the soul fills the body. And every single limb of the body is infused with the electricity, with the vitality of the soul. So Hashem is Mamalik Kalam, and God is like the soul of the universe. Every little organism has a soul, and the big organism has a soul. The macro like the micro, the macro like the micro. This Shefa, this flow, is Mitsamtsim, it's filtered, it's compressed, and it's manifested in every single created being according to his or her unique chemistry and identity, just like the faculties of the soul in their relationship with every single limb and organ of the body. That's Mamala Kalaman. We learned this many times. Soiv of Kalalman represents 
that which encompasses. Saviv literally means saviv, it surrounds. What does it mean surrounds? We don't mean graphically. It's around the world, it's not in the world, but it means that which is infinite. In other words, it transcends the individual identity of every living organism. It's not grasped in and internalized by the consciousness of a nivra. It would be like in your life, in my life, your own superconscious that you cannot, it's not filtered into your brain's consciousness. How much of our unconscious or superconscious or subconscious is filtered through our brain in a way that we could experience it consciously? Very, 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 very little. So it's not like the other things are not there. Of course they're there. In fact, they're probably much more important because they have a much deeper impact on me. Because since it's not conscious, it really has a very deep impact on me. But the impact is one that's not felt within my kalim, within my vessels. That's So the the way to say that is soiviv. Soiviv is it's as, as though it's above you. It doesn't mean it's above you, it's not inside of you. It's inside you, but it's as though it's above you in the sense that... You don't describe yourself by it. It's not the way you would describe it. Mamalakal Alman is the way Hashem is internalized in every nivra that he or she describes themselves by this. And Sevav Kalalman means it's above me. So these are two types of air through which Hashem vitalizes the worlds. And therefore he says, It's still not the concept of Kadman. I soivev. Even soivev is connected to the worlds. It gives life to the worlds. It's just called an ur makif. There's ur pnimi, an ur that's internalized, like pnimi, it comes in the keli. It's felt in the parameters of the keli because it's compressed and tailor-made to the size and the nature of the keli. And then there's an ur that's makif, it's above, it's, it's transcendent. So even soiv of kalaman, which is infinite, and therefore it's not grasped and internalized by the individual, unique, distinctive uh, organism and structure and chemistry, spiritual or physical, of every single created being, its function is to give chiyas to ilamas. It's only, its relationship is one of makif, not one of pnimi. There's two types of relationships. There's two eyes. There's the eye that I'm aware of, and there's the eye that is a much deeper eye, which I'm unaware of, because if I would be aware of it, it wouldn't be that, and it would either overwhelm me, it would either completely overwhelm me or destroy me. Yeah, or I would become something else. Either it would overwhelm me, or my me would not be able to remain my me, which is why your brain filters so much information and doesn't want most of it to come, so that you should be able to live in your uh, comfortable uh, life. And when we have glimmers of the armakif, it shakes things up. It's like OMG, right? Really, you have to say OMS, oh my soiviv. That was just a joke, huh? But not such a bad one. But okay, I know it's early in the morning. What is Mamale, what, what may be Mamale, what may be Soiviv today may become Mamale tomorrow. Right? And what Soiviv tomorrow may become Mamale the next day. You understand? As the Kali grows, more could fill it. But the soiviv always remains. There's something deeper and deeper and deeper. So 
So soivif could sometimes become a male. What, what, what's for one person soivif is for another person a male. Or to put it, perception, yeah, depends on your keli, yeah. Yeah. Or to put it as a expression of the Kudotayda, what for one person is yidiyah is for another person amuna. What for one person is knowledge is for another person faith. Dr. Rebbe asked, when Mashiach comes, how will there be amuna? Amuna means believe, but if every everything will be visible, so what do you need amuna for? I need amuna that there's a tissue box there. I need amuna that Rebbe Aaron is sitting in front of me and smiling. I mean, unless I believe I'm having an optical illusion based on the realms of nature, you don't need a munna for certain things. So the Balatanya says, what's going to be the munna la'asid lavoi? It says, So he says that because Hashem is ain't saif, so there'll be a munna in deeper. In other words, what what is today's munna will be tomorrow's yidiyah, but there's still always a munna because there's that which is ingraspable. So it's it's completely infinite. It was Dalter Rebbe had a chaver who was really a Rebbe of his. His name was Reb Mendel of Haradoker, Reb Menachem Mendel of Haradok. Some call him Reb Mendel of Vitebsker. He came from Vitebsk. Reb Menachem Mendel of Vitebsk. He wrote a sefer called Pri Haaretz. He was from the oldest students of the Magad of Mizrich. When the Magad passed away in Tovkov Lamed Gimel, 1772, Yat Kislev, Balatanya went to Reb Mendel for a few years as a Talmud of his. Then he went to Yisrael. He moved to Yisrael the first Aliyah of the Hasidim, and he's buried in Tiberia, in Tiberias. A lot of tzaddikim then moved to Yisrael. The Balatanya also wanted him, but he didn't let him. He said, you have to stay in in Russia. So uh, he once went to him for some chastairah, some chastairah. Yeah, Mogilov, yeah. You come from there, no? Your mother comes from there. When he was there, on the way to Yisrael. Mugalov, yeah. So uh, he once went for the Mendela, to the Mendela the Dukkha for some chastera. So, <laughs> you know, these were the Mendela with Tzadik, it was a very big Tzadik, it was a holy Jew, and he wasn't coming out for Hakafas. He wasn't coming out. And everyone is waiting, and there's no Hakafas, he's not coming out, he's in his room. So they sent the Balatanya because of his prominence. They sent to go in and try to see what's going on. So he went in. You know, he knocked and he went in and he said, uh, what's happening? The oilam is waiting. It's some chastayr, they want to do our kafas. So he said, I just discovered a hundred new interpretations in the psukim of Ataharesa. And I can't go to our kafas if I don't internalize them, if I don't make them real. So I can't go out. What do you want? I'm sorry. I can't be a charlatan. I can't be a fake, you know. Go out and make believe on this. Um, it has to be real. I have, uh, so I have to deal with it. I have to work work on it. Huh? Yeah, he would lose it. Of course, he would lose it. He would lose it, and he would feel that it's also it's it's not real hakafis. You know, he's not. Uh, huh? So the Rebbe told him something. The Rebbe said that when you're looking at the horizon. You're looking at the end of the horizon, a clear day, you see a mountain over the horizon, and you feel that in a few minutes, if you walk, you'll touch it. And you start walking and walking and walking, yeah? And you come to that place where you're supposed to touch it, and then you suddenly see that you have to walk much further. 
Oh, so you'll walk further and you'll touch it. And then you walk there and you'll... The Rebbe said, you're going to internalize these hundred interpretations and then you'll see another hundred. <laughs> and you'll internalize those hundred and you're going to see another hundred. <laughs> so he came out to do our coffers. <laughs> so this is... It's... It's... that That's the story of Sovev. The story of Sovev is that because... It's, it's transcendent. So it's like, it's layers. What today is transcendent can tomorrow become internalized. And then, et cetera. But these are all two levels of the relationship of the chiyus of Hashem to the world. It's not kadmoiner shalolam. Avol mohu seivatz mosi yizbodech eine begeder almen klal. Veloi shayech loimer alav seivav kalalmen velochei nikre kadmoiner shalolam. When you're talking about Hashem's essence, it's Bechlal, not in the realm of the worlds. And you can't even say on it, Soiv of Kol Alman. Soiv of Kol Alman means he encompasses all of the worlds. Just like Mamale is, he fills all of the worlds. Here you don't use the word Soiv of Kol Alman. It's true, Soiv of Kol Alman represents infinity. But it's infinity that is, has a relationship with the world. It would be like in a person you would say, you're subconscious or you're superconscious. These are all experiences that relate to you. They're just bigger than what my brain is ready to deal with. I don't have the kalim for it. Yeah. And everybody knows all, all growth is that way. Today I may sit and I don't have the kalim to hear this. I'm not ready for it. Right? You could tell me something that I'm not ready for. It's the truth, but I, I can't hear it. Where does it go? It doesn't go in. Why doesn't it go in? Because I don't have the vessels for it. Where does it go to? It goes somewhere. Like a child, you know, absorbs everything. It's a wet sponge. It goes into the subconscious. But one day, in 10 years, you're ready for it. And what happens? And suddenly the brain brings it in. Ah, that's what he meant. And it could change your whole life. Why? You have, now you open yourself up for it. So this is the concept of Saiviv. But even Saiviv, Person subconscious or a person superconscious has, so to speak, the information, the data that relates to you, relates to your life, relates to your place in the world. So it's Hashem the way it's in a relationship with Alman, with Kol Alman. Then there is something called Kadmoyne Shalolam. That's the Atmos that's not in the realm of the world. It doesn't have an Erech, it doesn't have a Yachas to the, to the world. Sometimes you'll have a, a great sage who's talking. And some people understand. But some people don't. It's, it's, it's very powerful. And it's very, very deep. And it's very confusing for them. And they almost feel like it's like war over my head. They may even get a headache from it. Well, I'm trying to get it, but, but I can't. And, and it's frustrating for them. In other words, it does not go into the Caleb. Sometimes, You'll have a child sitting there or somebody else sitting there. He's not even confused. Why is he not confused? Because <laughs> it's like, you know, because he's texting. <laughs> it's, 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 it could confuse me if it's in my realm. If it's completely above my realm, it doesn't even confuse me. You know what I mean? Confusion means there's a relationship. You're getting upset at me. You're getting upset at me because I triggered something. It's not, you're not ready to accept it. That's why you're upset at me. 
but but it's triggering something. You're confused. You're overwhelmed. You're like, what do you say? Uh, no, you have to deny it, right? Or you're getting a headache. Why? Because you're you're you're, you're breaking something. I'm, I'm, you're, you're challenging my kaling. Sometimes I'm not confused. It's like I don't even know what you're talking about. It's not in that realm. It's completely different. I'm just giving it a muscle that sometimes there's something. Yeah, it's completely, completely out of my realm. So now, if we speak in a much more abstract way, he's saying, Saif of Kalalman is the Ein Saif, the way it's Shaykh to the worlds. <laughs> then there's Kadmoyne Shalaylam, is Muhusevatz Musi, is Baruch, the essence that's Bechalal, not Begeder Alman. It's Bechalal, not in the realm of the worlds. Vahatayda Nikras, Vahatayda Nikras, Mishal HaKadmoyne. So when Torah is called Mashal Kadmoini, I know Shatayda he Mashal Lebchinas Kadmoino Shaloylam. Torah is a Mashal, is a metaphor for what? For Kadmoino Shaloylam. Kshikemoi Shayde Ha Mashal Yusaganimshal. What's the function of a Mashal? The function of a Mashal is that people should be able to understand the Nimshal. You're giving an idea, and the idea is too abstract. So you take the idea and you dress it up in a mushal. A mushal is like a lavush. It's a packaging. It's packaging. Yeah. What's packaging? Packaging is to make it appealing, to make it enticing. It could be in a cynical way, but it could be in a very genuine way. You can have the best product in the world. If there's no PR, no public relations, expert dealing with it, no, no uh, display, no packaging. It remains and decomposes in your basement. Some of the greatest artists died penniless. Why? Because there was nobody who can take their art and bring it to the public. It took sometimes, it takes decades, sometimes centuries, until their art becomes recognized. And if you wish, you know, if they could have only seen this during their lifetime. So there is form and there's substance. There's art and there's a frame. What is art without a frame? Huh? You ever saw art without a frame? Frameless. You know what art without a frame is? The greatest violinist, one of the greatest violinists living today is a man named Joshua Bell. Jewish kid. Not such a kid. But, uh, you know, every Jew is a kid. According to his mother, at least. And uh, he's considered one of the greatest violinists. Concerts, 50,000 people come, 100,000 people, tickets go for thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars. Probably could make a night a couple of hundred thousand dollars or much more. Not bad. He has challah for Shabbos. The Washington Post did an experiment. They took him, they dressed him up in a baseball cap and in somewhat of homeless clothing, very simple clothing, you know, peasant clothes. They put him in a subway station Friday morning in Washington, D.C., where doctors and lawyers and entrepreneurs and professionals and accountants and all types of businessmen and craftsmen. It's a subway that's taken by the elite in Washington. Those who don't use Air Force One, but, uh, but you know, very prominent people who make a good living. And he's playing there for an hour and he's playing the most sophisticated, sophisticated symphonies, ballads, concertos that people would pay thousands of dollars in a Stradivarius violin that's worth 15, 20 million dollars. A Stradivarius he's playing it. Okay, such a violin. One of the best. 
that's from the few strads that are left from the 1500s, from Stradivarius in Italy, that has some magic to it, right? But he's in a subway station with, with, with a baseball cap and a torn, you know, torn pants and a t-shirt. And the main thing is he has a little plate for a couple of dollars. You can put in, you can put in a couple of dollars and he's playing. Yeah. And how many people stop <laughs> the night before? Tens of thousands of people were pushing to get a front seat because I'm sophisticated. I go to a Joshua Bell. How many people stopped? <laughs> it's sad, but almost nobody. Besides ch- children. <laughs> and their parents were schlepping them. We have to go to school. We have to go to school. But almost nobody. Why? It's called art without a frame. If people don't tell you this is great, how many people will know that it's great? Which is, of course, a sad commentary on the human experience. It's called the herd mentality. If it's advertised as, ooh, a Joshua Bell concert, everybody's running. But if it's not, so then Nebuchadnezzar, a homeless guy playing, even though the music is exactly the same. They asked him what was the hardest part of it. And he said, the hardest part of it was, I finished the symphony. Nobody clapped. It was, it was, Kaloyhaya was nothing. You know, that, that, to create that motivation from within. There was no feedback. It meant nothing. This is art without a frame. Art without PR. And the question is, does it have any value to people? And they tried to bring out how people were so busy and stressed that they couldn't allow themselves to hear the music of life. And I thought it's a brilliant metaphor for life. You know, I'm running, I'm running, I'm running, I'm running the next job, the next job, the next job, and I can't stop and smell the roses. And even if there's brilliant music right around me, who has time? Unless it's going to be packaged that way. If it's going to be packaged that way, ah, then everything is different. Somebody told me uh, a day or two ago on the phone, they listened to the shiurim from, uh, from, uh, from the internet every morning, very religiously. So this person tells me that it used to be I would get up in the morning and I would say, you know, today I have a very, very busy day. I have so much to do. Let me daven fast so I could I could get on. He says, now his whole paradigm changed. What do you mean, let me daven fast so I can get on? The, the main thing is to the davening. That, that, that's, that's the relationship of life. Let me try to do everything fast. So I could be able to, I could be able to daven. So what's a mushal? A mushal is critical because without the mushal, most people don't have access to the nimshal. You don't have access. So the mushal takes the nimshal and articulates it in language that allows people to understand the nimshal. And that's what a good mushal is. Some of you know that the person who speaks here in the morning, right, is often teaching a concept and in the middle will say... Let's give a mushal for marriage. You ever heard that? Once in a while, yeah? Why? Why? And suddenly, yeah, even those who were texting and daydreaming come to life. What happened? What happened? So the truth is, to make a little confession, I don't like giving mashalom. Because it dilutes, it dilutes the Indian. Surprising, right? Surprising. <laughs> yeah. I would rather learn without any mashallah. That's the truth. <laughs> Carbs. 
<laughs> I should. I, sometimes I don't like it. Why? Because I feel that it dilutes and it compromises the emiss of the Indian. Rabbi Litzman disagrees. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, 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 yeah. I was once in Virginia. It was a you there were three there were three uh, there were three lecturers supposed to speak. It was a Sunday learning in Virginia, Fairfax. Rabbi Breidowitz, Rabbi Avram Breidowitz, uh, teaches in Arsameach in Yerushalayim. He was a Rav then in, in Silver Springs. Rabbi Breidowitz. And uh, Nat Lewin is a famous uh, Jewish lawyer, right? Went to the Supreme Court many times, fought for different cases, public menorahs and other things. And myself, there was a 30 feet, 30, literally, uh, uh, it was like 30 inches or 40 inches of snow. In some place, no, no, no. Virginia a few years ago was, uh, was especially dangerous. Like, uh, I don't know, it was in some place they said it was 10 feet, 20 feet. Like, it was uh, higher than, it was a crazy snow. So they both canceled. I was there for Shabbos already. So they both canceled. So I had to do all the sessions because people in the community came. They were close by. So, and it was a whole day. Okay. So the first lecture was on symptoms. Understanding the symptom of Kabbalah. According to Kabbalah, what's symptom? The debate about symptom. We once spoke about the symptom. So I started off. So then the organizer said, "This one you have to speak for two and a half hours because uh, okay, symptom. Two and a half hours is symptom." I started off with a joke. I don't remember what it was, but it was probably a good joke. My jokes are usually good. I mean, not always, but. Uh, and then I spoke for around two and a half hours. And it was a serious discussion. I still remember a guy came over to me. And in all seriousness, he says, the opening joke was pretty good. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't. That was the joke that I don't remember the joke. And he said, that was actually, it was a very good joke. And you know what? I'm going to remember that. I said, anything else? It's just a joke, the joke. <laughs> the joke was good. And then I thought to myself, is this how God feels <laughs> about all of creation? <laughs> huh? Yeah, yeah. I said the joke to get people's attention, right? And that became everything. It became the tachlis, yeah. Because whenever the marshal is divorced from the nimshal, it becomes... It's, it becomes useless. The whole point of the marshal is to capture the nimshal, to convey it. But it's always a sacrifice because a marshal means that you have to bring down the nimshal into a world that will not understand the marshal. The nimshal. Yeah. Remember I was teaching in Yeshiva Mesech Psachim. So there's a halacha there if you have ten stores. Ten stores. Nine of them sell kosher meat. I'm sorry. So there's a halacha there. Uh, the halacha is known as kol kavua kemechzal mechza. Kol de parish mirube parish. Meaning, if something separates, you follow the majority. Statistics, you follow the majority. If the majority is one type, you say this is from the majority. But if the doubt is created in a makam kavua in its permanent place, it's 50-50. This is a principle, yeah? 
If, if you just te- the principle is a principle, if you don't teach the principle, most students wouldn't know what you're talking about. So the Gemara itself says, let's tell a story. Suddenly the story, everybody understands. It's still hard to understand the principle, but you understand. What's the story? There's nine stores that sell kosher meat on one block. And there's a tenth store that sells non-kosher meat. And you find a piece of meat in the gutter. A plastic bag with a piece of meat. And you don't know which store it came from. So what do you say, halachically? Kosher. Called the parish. Statistically, yeah, nine stores kosher. One store not. 90% kosher. 10% treif. You can go according to your life. Call the That's very logical. 90%. It is nine stores. It is one treif store. So statistically, what are the chances that came from the treif store? It could have. It could have. Huh? But that's what Allah. But that Allah changes fascinatingly. And you have to understand this very well. Allah changes if I myself go into the store. I pick up a piece of meat, I pay for it, I leave, right? And I don't know which store I went into. <laughs> you know, I was texting. I was on my WhatsApp, I didn't realize. Have it happened to you? You come out. Now you should say exactly the same thing, right? What are the chances I was in the trade for store? Maybe I could have. I'm a guest, I don't know. I went into a store, I bought meat. Halacha changes now. It's considered 50-50. 50% kosher, 50% treif. Why? Kol kavua If the suffolk is born in the place of permanence, it assumes a status of 50%. In other words, the suffolk didn't begin outside of the store. The suffolk was created inside the store. Vis-a-vis itself, it's not bottle. The store vis-a-vis itself is not nullified in the majority of the other stores. When I separate from it, now it's a question of 90 versus 10. When the doubt was noilad b'makam hakavua, meaning when the doubt was created in the store itself, I just don't know which one it is, right? In the place of permanence, in your place, in your organic place, over there, you're not nullified. You retain your full identity. It's me versus you, even though there's another nine stores. So therefore, it's kamech tzalmechts. You have to understand what this principle is. Like mathematically, what does it mean? But if you would just say the words kol without a marshal, it would be too abstract. Some people would understand it, but you speak about meat, the Gemara speaks there about chametz and matzah, the same question with chametz and matzah. So suddenly it comes to life. Why? Because it was brought down. That's what the function of a marshal is. A marshal is always to articulate that which allows that which would have been inaccessible to be communicated to the audience. And by the way, it's essential to the art of communication. Those who do not understand the art of a marshal will never be successful in communication. You ask me about communication. What's the key? The key is knowing the world of the audience. If you don't know the world of the audience, I know a lot of people, they speak, they explain, they communicate, but they're not effective. They don't get into the kishkas. Why don't they get into the kishkas? Because two things, you have to first of all know the kishkas. You have to know who you're talking to. And number two, you have to know how to take your material and bring it to the kishkas. Some people lack both. Some people lack one of them. You may know your audience, but you don't know your material so well. 
Because to be able to take material and make a marshal for it, you have to really master it so you can transform its medium and its veneer until it becomes truly accessible. The, one of the ten people who were murdered by the Romans was Reb Chutzpah Samaturgaman. Chutzpah Samaturgaman. So the Arizal brings that Chutzpah is from the word Chutzpah. A real Maturgaman, a real translator, must have Chutzpah. Because people are going to accuse him of destroying the message. Now, this is not Judaism. This is pop liberal psychology. Are they right? They could be right. They could be right. Only a man who knows the essence can translate things in ways that are radical without losing the, the core. If you don't know the core, you have to stick to the original material. If you really know the core, you could present it in a completely new medium that most people wouldn't even recognize where it came from because you have such a mastery of it. You're not afraid of communicating it in completely different language because you know when you're surrendering the essence and when you're just surrendering the the frame. You know what you're losing and what you're not losing. That takes a certain audacity and real a real mastery. You understand what I'm saying? A marshal is always painful because it, there's an element of diluting. There's an element of compromising. That's what I was saying before. It's like, okay, here we go again with a marshal. On one hand, I want everybody to wake up. Present company excluded. You're up before. Right? On the other hand, why is it that I can't appreciate the nimshal itself? The nimshal is much more real. It's a much higher place. But it's the marshal that brings it, that brings it down. So if you, if you want to lose the people, you stay in the nimshal. But sometimes the marshal causes you to lose the concept, the essence, the neshama. Lost in translation, right. Lost in translation. The real marshal is the marshal that really allows access to the nimshal through a different medium, whether it's a story, an allegory, an illustration, a metaphor, a personal life experience, it concretizes it in a way that I can see it, and then hopefully I can now go to a more abstract place and divest the marshal from the nimshal, take it away, and get back to the nimshal. That's the concept. Oh, so the Al-Tareb is going to explain in the Hemshech of this Maimer that the deepest definition of Torah is marshal hakadmoini. All of Torah is a marshal. A marshal for what? A marshal for kadmoinoi shaloylam. And what's kadmoinoi shaloylam? Kadmoinoi shaloylam, we said, is not memale, and it's not soiviv. It's atzmos ein soif, which is the kadmoin, meaning that which is before everything, including before soiviv, not just the divine relationship with the world, but the divine in its core. But that needs a marshal. All of Torah is a marshal hakadmoinoi. Now you'll ask, what, where, when, what are you talking about? <laughs> what, does, what does this mean? This itself needs a marshal. <laughs> this itself needs a marshal. So we'll see that there in the Hemshech of the Maimer. We're going to learn that on Sunday, 8 o'clock, one hour later. Okay? Shabbos is the regular schedule, and we're going to learn Sunday, Chesidus, and then Gemara. We'll now learn Mesech the Megillah. Everybody have a wonderful day and a wonderful Shabbos. This Sunday, yeah. One hour later. Sunday, one hour later. <laughs> if I don't know my audience, I don't know what marshal to give. I'm going to start giving children 
a marshal from nuclear physics, verstehst. You have to know the material on a core level. If you don't know, it's a lot of people know the material, they could repeat it, but they don't really get it. If I can only repeat, if I don't really get it, I can't give a marshal for it. Because if I already give a marshal, I'll probably not say the right thing. You understand? When you know something at its core, you could strip it from all of the garments and retain its core and put it in a completely new word. When you don't know its core, then you could just give over what you heard, which is fine, which is nice. You won't be able to bring it down on that level because you didn't master it. You just repeat like a parrot. A parrot can't create new words. Yeah, what I was saying, first of all, you have to know the audience. You have to know the material. So, but then, then comes the hardest part. The hardest part is, I have to be able to bring it down in a way that is relatable to them. The must creating that muscle. And this is true on every level, literally every level. Person has a product. The best product in the world. Nobody else thinks so. Right? Somebody once told me, uh, or somebody once sent me, I don't remember, uh, uh, a story or a video. There was this fellow, uh, there was, he was trying to be hired by a company. So he goes into the, to the CEO and he says, you know, I'm a brilliant salesman. I could convince people, you want me in your company. So he says, really? Yeah, he says, yeah. He said, I'll give me a break. What do you think? You're God's gift to humanity? He said, I'm very good at it. So there was a bottle of water on the table. He says, okay, convince me to buy this bottle of water from you. (laughs) So he takes a match (laughs) and he lights the newspaper on the table. (laughs) Suddenly there's a fire. He says, water! Costs $20. (laughs) It costs $20. He hired him. He hired him. Establish a need, right? Establish a need. Huh? Yeah. So, so what does it, what does it really mean? It means I can have a brilliant product, but you don't feel that you need it. How do I make it relatable to your life? So this is the business of, you know, of advertising, of promotion. A lot of it is manipulation of the brain. At least you should think you need it. But in, in truth, that's the concept of a muscle. A muscle means I want to make this relevant to you. It should become meaningful to you in your life. It's not meaningful to me. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I, I shut down. I, it's no relationship with me. So ev- that's the concept of a marshal. And it's yeah. manifested in, in yeah. endless different ways. Yeah. Yeah. A marshal means an example. An example. An illustration. Yeah. Yeah. Kadmoinoi shaloylam is the nimshal, and Taita is the marshal hakadmoini. It's a marshal for the kadma. Shabbos. Have a wonderful day. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.